Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about rage, rage in parenthood. A lot of times you hear mom rage or even rage that shows up with our children. And I'm not alone to talk about this one. I'm here with Maria Gonzalez, who is also on our team. She supports all of the women through our Thrive Live group, as well as Maria is supporting all of our alumni and what we like to call the Mama Must Tribe, which is a continuation of Thrive, to be able to continue this work and be supported and continue practicing this work, but in a safe environment with so many different women from all the different Thrive, right? Like so many different groups. And it's been over the course of years, we have a mom who we have watched her go through a whole deployment with her husband and it's an incredible group of women, but Maria, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for being here again today. And I know you guys have heard Maria's voice before, but we both really felt like we wanted to talk about this because every time it has come up, we're like, oh, we should do, oh, we should talk about that. So I'm really, really excited to have you here, Maria. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I think that this is a hot topic as in like white hot, um, which is, you know, a topic that comes up a lot with our moms and a topic that comes up a lot with our moms that stay on in the mom and mess group is how parents can rage, how children can, how children can rage. And, and is it okay? Like, is this allowed? Like, is this, should we do this? Should we allow this? Um, so it's awesome that we finally get to talk about this and, and put put it out there. Yeah. And I think the goal of you and I really wanting to do this is like the question you just said is, is it okay? Like, why do we beat ourselves up that we did? Like, bottom line, is it okay? Like, why am I doing this? Why is this coming out of me? And how do I stop this? And all the shame and guilt and like all the things that come along with that rage and it can also be really scary if we see that rage within our children. Like it can it'd be like, I don't know, like, how do I do this? What do I do? And so we want to talk about all of that today. So I think just to start it off, we kind of want to explain to you what that means. Like what does quote unquote rage, mom rage, parent rage, kid rage, like what does that mean in terms of not just, yeah, 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 I know that's like kicking and screaming and absolutely losing your marbles to the point where it feels like an out-of-body experience, but like, what does it mean neurologically? What does it mean emotionally? What does it mean at the core of why it's happening? 
Um, Maria, how about you go into this one and explain a little bit about what it means and why it's happening? And I think, you know, even to add on, like, what, what does it mean to be the observer of mm. rage also? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when our children have a meltdown, right, they get into this point where, like you always say, their brain is offline and they can't make sense. Like they just get into this, this, um, this loss of control of their mind, their actions, and nothing is online for them. And so um, their nervous system is completely dysregulated and we can't talk them through um, or, or ourselves, right? The parents, we can't talk through it. We can't reason. We can't make somebody snap out of it. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, supporting someone through that, supporting another mom through that, supporting a child through that, a parent, like how do we do that? And what does that look like? Yeah. And really at the end of the day, that rage is demonstrating. And I I love explaining the brain as a car. It's like a dashboard light saying, ding, ding, ding. Like you, like it's the smoke. (laughs) It's like the smoke coming out of the engine when you're driving the car and you're like, I don't know why my, my engine's like smoking, but it is. And it's, it's, it's an unmet need. Like there's something that's going on that when that rage happens within yourself or your child, that can trigger you to be like, ding, 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 something's not going well. Like my engine light is on. There again is an unmet need. And if you think of it that way, clearly you can be like, oh, got it. If my brain is getting to the tipping point, like you said, Maria, of like going into meltdown mode and your brain is offline, then clearly there's something that's not functioning right. And instead of us regulating naturally over the course of an extended period of time, your brain and body is going to do it for you. And you have no control over that. And literally that rage can feel like an out of body experience of like, holy shit, what just happened? Like that, like that, that didn't go well. Like that didn't feel good. That was, you know, think of the word. It's like rage is different than anger. And that rage feels like, that's the next level or like the next layer. To me, Um, it's like a loss of control. Like the anger is one step lower, but the rage is just a complete loss of control, a disconnect Mm -hmm. between like your ability to regulate and like needing to move through these big, big emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about, is this okay? Like, is this okay? Is this normal? Does this mean I, I'm broken? I have a problem or is there something wrong with my child? Do they need a diagnosis or medication or like, what the heck? Like this, I don't think this should be like this. You know, I can remember, like I literally could close my eyes and think back to a time in my parents' house where I, like, I cannot tell you, like, I, screamed to the point where like my throat hurt. And I was like, I just can't. And I was like, I like lost it. And the look on my mom and my sister's face was like, that there's something wrong with that. that like what, what did that, that's not, that's like, I don't think that's ever come out of my sister or my mother. And they, like, I'm telling you to the point where I literally can remember I was in the middle of the stairwell and I lost it like that. And I had such shame. And like, I was so, I felt 
broken. Like I felt terrible. I felt like I was different. And that is something that should have never come out of me or should have never, ever, 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 ever happened. And so that was decades ago. Like I'm talking like maybe not even 10 like decades ago to the point where A, I still remember it. I still remember my reaction. I can close my eyes and picture it. And I can remember the shame wrapped within it. And Marie, I'd love for you to speak to all that you have felt on this, even with the, the kids or your own experience, as well as what you and I have seen within the women that we talk to about this. Yeah. So I would say that you know, I, I am not myself a rage, a rager, but I have rage cleaned, Mm -hmm. which is such a fascinating thing to look back on because what triggered my rage cleaning was a massive unmet need and also like a visual overstimulation and the way that I had to gain control over my emotions and my environment was to literally purge bags and bags and bags of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I went from child to child, just purging. And when it was done, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I just totally rage cleaned right now. Um, but I mean, I, I, how it shows up in children and how it shows up in, in our mom groups is, you know, children that are raging and moms that don't know if it's okay or how do we handle it? How do we let a child move through rage? How is it okay for a parent to move through rage? Um, There's this taboo thing of like, we just shouldn't, like we shouldn't go there. We shouldn't allow them because if we allow them to go there, then it's going to be okay. Right. Then we're Mm -hmm. just condoning it and allowing that environment. And to see a child move through rage is fascinating to see Mm -hmm the extent to which their emotions are dominating and they are just out of control, right? Mm -hmm. And then when they come back down, when they come back down to this beautiful calm, and that's when you can talk to them. That's when you can have a conversation. That's when you can connect. And that's like, what you say is their brain comes back online. And so Mm -hmm. to support a child through that takes a lot of tapping into yourself and reminding yourself that you are okay and that you are safe and that, you know, keeping checking in with yourself while you can sit next to this child and support the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm working with a client right now who I would say one of the main reasons she came to me is to learn how to regulate her nervous system rather than she, she said, she was like, everyone has told me I need anger management. Like that's what I need. And she feels as though it's like these rageful moments and looking at her sensory profile, she has a highly, highly sensitive nervous system and she avoids like her brain wants to get away from stimuli, which means she doesn't want like her body and brain doesn't want a lot of stimuli. So then she quote, has these moments or fits of rage because her brain and body's literally screaming like, this is too much. This is too much. And the guilt and shame and brokenness that she feels and that some of the other women that we work with, you know, like the fear, like you said, of 
of seeing, letting our children see this and then that be a model is, is so hard for us to fathom. And, you know, it kind of brings it all the way back to the story of like, I remember when I had that moment and the shame that I put on myself. And we all think that we have to be uh, Susie homemakers, like 24 seven, 100% of the time. And that's the way it should be. Whether you're in carpool line with, you know, coiffed hair and makeup on, or you're at the bake sale or you're, you know, laying down dinner for the family, you know, like we should be able to just keep it together 1000% of the time. And I don't necessarily feel that that's healthy or reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think think that the more that we can talk about that, the more that those who get to the point of rage don't have the shame that they, you know, that's wrapped up in that word. You know, Mm -hmm. when, when we talk about it on the continuum of our zones of regulation, you know, we added a category in our own house of like white, like white hot. Mm. White hot is when you're past the red and, you know, and that the, that's okay. Like, that's okay. There are parameters as to what's mm-hmm. okay during that time, but like, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's just another continuation on the spectrum of emotions. Yeah. And it's, it's a feeling. It's a big, 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 big feeling, but it is a feeling. It is an emotion. It is sparking something inside of you. And again, it, it goes back to this is present because there is an unmet need. And I'm not recognizing that there is an unmet need that I've probably ignored for a really, really long time. And for children, if we're looking at it from their lens rather than the parent lens, their brains aren't mature enough to know that this is taking place because there's an unmet need. That is our job to become the experts and understand how to support our children through that so they can recognize how to take care of themselves all along the way so that we don't get on the side of the road like calling AAA. Like we're not at the point where there's smoke coming out of our engine because we have helped support our children into learning what it looks like to support themselves all along the way rather than just losing it, ripping ourselves a new one and saying, I'm broken and then moving on. Right. Just completely ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And teaching them how to tap into what is that unmet need? Like where, where is that coming from? What are you feeling, you know, um, yep. before they get to that rage point? Yep, absolutely. And then after we have those fits or those moments, it's this immense amount of guilt and shame that we constantly see over and over and over and over with our clients of, I should do better. I, I should be able to keep it together. Why can't I keep it together for just one day? Like, why is this still showing up for me? Like, what is wrong with me? I feel broken. And, you know, there's there's nothing healthy that can come of that. And then so often when we 
when that happens, we go to our children and we say, mommy shouldn't have done that. Like daddy, uh, daddy, sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. Or I shouldn't, I shouldn't, 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 shouldn't. And it's shaming your own behavior. And we do a lot of teaching of there's a way to repair, but it's not the repair in a sense of someone's wrong and right. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've actually had this conversation today in both groups, in, in our current group and then the, the Mama Must group of, of repair and shaming. And, you know, when you go to apologize, you know, you can repair without bringing on the shame. And, you know, that's exactly what, like, we don't want to model to our children is to shame themselves when they go to repair something. And so, yeah, it's like, literally what we've been discussing today in, in, in our threat group. Mm -hmm. And we, you and I were talking before we hit record and we were talking about one of our mama must moms who she was literally asking the group. She was like, I, I asked her, I said, how does it feel? Like, what do you, like, what, what would you, if you had your, like your dream, like your dream wish of like what this would look like for you. She was like, I would take all the dishes and I would like just absolutely smash them everywhere. And I was like, good, like go for it. Not meaning go for it, break all your dishes because then you'll have to clean them up and you'll have to buy new ones, which is just a pain in the ass. But like say it, like allow yourself to feel it and go there of like, that's what I would do. Like that is what I would do. And there is a kit that you can literally buy with like a coffee mug that it's like, smile, hope you have a good day. And a few other things that it's like with a little card that's like, best of luck to you, have fun. Or like some like hammer or mallet or something. And it's literally like a rage box where you can allow yourself to go there and do it in a somewhat safe space or environment or find the place for you. And there's rage rooms now where you can just beat the heck out of, I mean, like, TVs and computers and I mean like they're old time like huge box things but like I mean the the screaming and the primal screaming that comes out of these people and just like like there's a reason why these things are making money like there's a reason why they exist and it's because we have to find a way to release the valve because if we don't release the valve it's going to release for us like we have to and that is those moments of rage. And when they do come up, we have to not shame ourselves. We have to, we can totally repair with our kids and repair it in a way that's not shameful, like you were saying. And, you know, we talk about this a lot of like, what does that look like? And the first step to take is, hey, how'd that feel today? Like, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've looked at Eli and said, hey, buddy, how did it feel today when mommy raised her voice or something like that? So like if there's a rageful moment, you can do the same thing of like, hey, how'd that feel when I broke all the plates, right? Like how did that feel when I, you know? And I'm actually what came to mind is Jonathan had this one rageful moment one time in our relationship where he took a salad and I really wanted that damn side salad from sushi. He took, and there was no, there's no salad dressing on it. It was just the lettuce and he took it and he threw it and he threw it at the window. It, it was in like a little plastic container and the lettuce got everywhere. And I was like, I looked at him, I go, you're going to have to clean that up. Like, I'm not cleaning that up. Like I, and he was like, I know. And I was like, okay, like go take a walk. Like 
I was like, okay, like, let's get through that. But like, there's just these moments. So like, what do we do? Like, how do we do that? And the first step is to just let the child have a voice, right? Like, and Maria, you've done this a lot with your kids. I would like love for you to explain what you feel like in your opinion, this has done for your kids in terms of giving them a voice in that moment of like, Hey, and maybe not in the moment. A lot of times what we recommend is doing this at the end of the evening when like the dust has clearly settled and we've totally moved on like hours later. But what would you say you have seen and how that's impacted the kids for you when you do have those debrief and repair moments? I think that golden hour right before bed, um, mm-hmm. we call it late time and it's those 10 minutes before bed um, that we lay with each kid. And if I have not repaired or if we haven't had a deep enough discussion because of something that, um, you know, one child did or the other, that's the time that we do it. And that's like the most beautiful time where like their most, like their deepest emotions will come out. They will be so honest and so forthcoming. And so I know and I recognize that that's the time of day when most of us are like, just please go to sleep, right? Like I just don't have the the time or the energy to put into these last 10 moments, but like they are golden because that's when their truest, you know, what's in their heart really comes out. And so Mm -hmm. listening to them and asking them, how did that feel today when that happened? Or how did it feel when, you know, this happened and thank you for telling me, um, you know, just, just really allowing them an avenue to talk and feel safe and feel secure enough to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that piece that you just said is the thank you for sharing. Like, thank you for saying that. Like, thank you for telling me because there's such fear and we teach this to our clients. Like it's the first step. How do you feel? And we constantly, like literally we can't, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Because we want that pattern to build in the brain of like, it's okay to say the hard things because we want our children to have the strength and the trust within us to know no matter what they want to say, no matter what's going on with them, they can be like, Hey, like that didn't feel good. Or like, Hey, I had that conversation with Eli out of the blue during spring break. Charlie was asking me something about funerals and Eli all of a sudden, boop. Hey mommy. Yeah. Eli, can we stop talking about this? Cause this is making me feel really sad and a little anxious. And I really would like it if we could stop the conversation or like be done with the conversation. And I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing because we practice it so much that now he knows it's okay to say the hard thing and like have the confidence. It's really about the confidence and the, the, the ability to show up for themselves. And that's, that has to be fostered. Like it has to be created for our children and letting them know, no matter what you tell me, no matter what big dark secret or no matter what is happening at school or someone told you not to say, like, no matter what, thank you. Like we, like we will always, always, always listen. And after we thank them for sharing, like, thank you for sharing. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel sad that when, when mommy threw the plate or when daddy tossed the salad, I mean, the kids weren't even born yet, but like, you know, like it's okay to, feel that way. And mommy or daddy or whoever it is, like had a, I just had a really hard moment. Like, 
I had a lot. That was big feelings, huh? Like that was a lot of, like you said, white. Like that's a lot of big feelings. Yeah. And it's okay for mommy to, or daddy to have those feelings. And it's okay for you to have those feelings, right? We would be doing the same thing if it was our kids. Like we would wait it out, let it, let it move forward, all the different things. And we'd say, hey, how'd you feel? Like how, what was going on? And again, we'd say, thank you for sharing. But we're never going to shame our kids when they have big feelings like that. So why are we going to shame ourselves? We're going to say, yeah, those are some big feelings, you know, and allowing them to know it's okay rather than suppress it. Yeah. Or try to fix it or stop it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. that's, you know, so many of our moms in our generation grew up with, well, you'll be fine. It'll be okay. Or Johnny will be your friend tomorrow or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but allowing them to just say what's on their mind and just share that emotion without mm-hmm. us needing to put a bandaid on it because it makes us feel uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Because we mm-hmm. don't want to be hurting or we don't want our, to see our children hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, so allowing them to share that emotion is really like the unmet need that we're talking about, like that need to be able to share and tap in and, and share that with somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as I think back to my own experience, I would say that I, I don't really have rage often. I would say that I can think of two times that I've had it and it's been since Jonathan has passed. So clearly it was like serious, serious emotions and grief. And I think I told the mama must moms this a week or two ago, I asked Charlie about it. One in particular where I was like, I'm so angry. Like I just like let it out. Like it was for sure like a primal scream. And the look in the kid's face was like, oh boy. Of course we were paired and all the different things. And I was like, yeah, Charlie, I, like, do you remember that one time when mommy, he's like, huh? And I was like, never mind. Let's move on. Like they don't <laughs> even on. remember it. Yeah, and I'm like, yes, thank goodness. Yeah. Because I will remember for that, that forever. Right? Like there's still some level that I'm like, oh, I'm so Oh, I know it's okay, but like we fear, we have such fear that it's going to just absolutely break our kids. And yes, I'm totally okay admitting that I've had two of those big, big moments since Jonathan has passed, but A, my boys don't remember it. And B, I, neither one of my boys have really lost it like that. Like they, they haven't modeled it, right? Like it's, and even if they did, it'd be okay. It'd be understandable too, right? But that's an example to show like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to always trickle down the pipeline and it, and it's always going to mess up our kids or that it's always going to this and that, right? If you want to get a hold of it, if you feel like it's happening a lot or over and over and over, or it's something that's like, like I, I can't, almost like my client recently who's like, I can feel that it's coming and I would like to have more of what we like to call the window of tolerance where we expand the capacity of what our brains and bodies can withstand in terms of discomfort. So maybe we don't lose it as much or have that rage as much. Like, absolutely, that's doable. And it's it's totally okay to want that as well, which is why we do what we do, right? To be mm-hmm. able to regulate our clients and help them. And I think this kind of goes right into the the idea and topic of like, what are some of the ways that we can give you or the tips and tricks that we can give you into supporting yourself. And you're like, yep, that's me. I'm showing up like that. Or yep, my kid's doing that. Like, Maria, what would you say 
is your top or, or few ways in which you feel that we can help everyone understand like how to support themselves either in those moments or maybe before or maybe after, like, what would you say are the, your biggest takeaways for that? Um, I would say that first and foremost is if it's possible, like in the moment, right? Like some of these rage moments that like they can't stop in the middle of the rage and think about what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So have it be a retroactive, like, what was I feeling in that moment? But if you can, is start to tap into like what it is that you're feeling. Um, what is, you know, like where is that rage coming up in your body? Like what is the, you know, are you getting tense in your chest? Does your face feel flushed? Like are, are your hands clenching? Um, you know, and really start to tap into the feeling, the emotion, putting a name on it. I'm feeling anger. This anger is getting really intense. I'm feeling it here. You know, I need to get out of the situation. Um, and so, you know, encouraging them to go through that process of naming it and talking about it and speaking it out loud if they can, if they can't do it in the moment, which I would say like when Thrive started for me two years ago, I couldn't realize in the moment what my emotion was. My emotion was always after. And I'd be like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I was, I was pretty angry at that point or I was pretty sad or whatever it may be. But getting them into like the real time of feeling it or feeling it coming, right? Like feeling that emotion building because now they know that like when when this tension's coming in my chest, I know that whatever it is, the anxiety or the, the anger or whatever. So just kind of connecting that mind and body. Yeah. Like 1000%. It's that again, like you're saying, like all of that is the first steps that we have to help every single one of our clients learn is like the ability to it's, it's the split second from moving into rage versus having your brain pattern to the point of being like, okay, how do I feel right now? Like, where do I feel in my body? Like what's going on to, and that's learning how to honestly read, like read the behavior of your body. Like your brain doesn't talk to you. Like your brain doesn't have a language where it's like, I need you to stop shaming yourself. And you're like, okay, thank you, brain. And then it happens. Like, that's not what happens. It's behaviors and how we are responding through life. That's the language of our brain. Like that's what's happening. And so we're doing the process of decoding those behaviors and that brain and saying, okay, got it. And helping our brain have patterns of I've I ding, ding, ding. I know this feeling. I've had it before. I know what to do. I ding, ding, ding. Oh, got it. I felt that before. Okay. I know what to do there. And so like Maria said, it does start with the feeling of where do you feel it in your body and how do you feel and all the different things. And I would say the other part of it too is, is self-care is if you are completely exhausted and burnt out and, and, just chronically burnt out, but you have absolutely no idea how to feel your feelings. You feel completely guilty for ever taking time for you and giving yourself that self-care. It Things are going to bottle up to the point where maybe you do want to throw a plate like they or a salad or like, or, or you want to rip the sheets or your shirt or whatever it is, right? Like if you are living more in a chronic state of burnout you're going to be more in a heightened state. And so your nervous system is going to be a little bit more triggered and a little bit more sensitive and 
blow a little bit faster. And maybe that's, again, why you're feeling the rage come on a lot. And so it's the ability to feel our feelings and figure out where we're feeling in our body, but also learning that self-care and taking care of ourselves is not a luxury. Like that's not something that it's like, oh my gosh, this year I went on a girl's trip and I got a massage for one weekend. Like, no, like, yeah, I want you to go do those things, but it has to be accumulative, excuse me, over time. And Maria, as we were having this conversation, I can't speak. As we were having this conversation, I was thinking about two Decembers ago for you and our call when you were moving through like, gosh, this was not a good, like this was not what I wanted it to be and the bliss and the beauty. And it was like this turning point for you of like, I now get it. Like I now get why it's so important for me to consistently take care of myself. Yeah. And I would say, actually, as you brought up self-care, I was thinking about the moms in in our group and when they start tracking their patterns of being regulated and not being regulated. And it always comes back to, I need to take care of myself. I need to get back into doing my workouts. And so they have learned, especially the, the ones in the Mama Must group, have really learned that taking care of them, their bodies, um, will eventually get them back into the cycle of regulation, therefore reduce the amount of, you know, sensitivity in their nervous system that takes them to the point of rage. Mm -hmm. Yep. And modeling that, modeling that for our children is, it's more crucial than you could ever imagine, like ever, 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 ever imagine, because I'm sure you've had those moments where you're like, oh, I didn't know you knew how to do that. Or like, your child will do something or you're, or they'll even say something. You're like, oh boy, that's me. Like that, that, that's me. They said that and they got that from me. Awesome. Like they're observing and watching and seeing everything. And if they live in an environment where they know self-care is a non-negotiable and you know how to take care of yourself, they will learn that too. And they will learn how to do that. And we will have the conversations with them. And support them into learning the outlets that feel like literally feel good for them mm -hmm. so that they can manage their emotions all along the way. And we say this literally all the time with our clients of like, because sometimes we lose perspective in doing this work when we feel like we have a good week and then we're like, oh crap, I did it again. And then we're like, okay, everything's damaged and it's every, everything's broken. And it's like, Okay, first of all, you have years, like years to do this with your kids. Second of all, as I explained, like some of them, they don't remember all, everything, right? And third of all, like it's, it's the ability for them to trust that they will learn this over time. Like, and imagine how many years you have to teach them this. Like our parents didn't understand this stuff, but... If you start learning this now, while your children are super young, like imagine how many years they get to witness your model or they get to witness and see how to support themselves. Like there's no way possible they won't understand this stuff by the time they're adults. Like they, there's just no way. They'll, they'll absolutely have it ingrained within their system. Yeah. And their self 
soothing strategies maybe won't be electronics. Maybe they won't be, you know, zoning out in front of the television or the video game or whatever it may be. Um, but a, a healthy coping mechanism of moving their body. Yeah. 1000% and helping them have the exploration enough to figure that out for themselves. You know, like one of your kiddos, it's, you know, hands down, he loves coloring and it's, it's coloring. Like, like that's how he, he, right after school, he'll go and he'll color and that's the transition for him. And he knows that's what he needs. And it's worked beautifully for your family. Yeah. And -hmm. the other two have to rev up their nervous system because that's how they meet, meet their needs. So we've got two that go from zero to a hundred and we have one that goes from a hundred back down to zero, but Mm -hmm. they have each found out what works for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you would have never understood that each of them function. Like we all think, Oh, I've got one this way. And I've got one that like, I've got two different, completely different kiddos. Like my sister and I are completely different. Charlie and Eli are completely different, but like understanding that it's, it's not just their quote personality, but it's literally how their brain ticks and then understanding what each of their brain needs to then be supported is like a whole new ball game. Yeah. A whole and new ball game. Teaching it to them, teaching it to them so that they don't feel shame of why can't I rev up after school? Why do I need to retreat or you know, why do I need so much activity or whatever it may be so that they understand their nervous system so that when they become adults, like they're in a much better place than we were, you know, when we, before we started this. Yeah. And I think that this is taking it to another kind of side conversation, but I think that that's part of the reason why we, our generation, specifically us who are parents right now, like that's why we're in the state that we're in of like, go, 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 go. Because we did not learn how to do this. Our parents didn't know how to teach us this. And then let's add in like the world and the internet. Like we are the generation of internet. Like this started when we were kids. It started when we were young. And now we're trying to figure out how to manage it, what to do with it, what's healthy, what's not, and how to support our children through it. And it is so important for us in particular to have this awareness and be able to, like you said, teach our kids so that they can learn how to regulate their nervous system. And I do believe that this will end up being so important for them to even figure out what the heck they want to do like in their lives and their career. And if, if, if they're a gas pedal, then they may love go, 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 going in a high paced job, you know, um, or where they can handle a lot of go, go, go pressure. And like you said, your other two are a little bit different. And so Eli's a little bit different as well. I have one gas pedal and one brake. So I could think of Eli as like a yoga teacher or something like calming it. Like, you know, like, like this may be the future in terms of like, I know that this is how I function. And so it's not just a personality trait of like, well, I should be a lawyer or like, I want to make a lot of money. And so I'm going to go into finance or I don't know. You know what I mean? It's what feels good for your brain and body in order to function for yourself and enjoy your life. And that all equates to how you tick and how you support that brain over time. And we all need different things. And understanding that is like the secret sauce to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and that's how they learn to meet their own needs, right? Is just understanding their nervous system better. And that comes from us teaching them and modeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest takeaway is yes, rage happens. If you're doing it, if you're a closeted rager, like, I mean, you don't need to go out in public and like rage. That's okay. Like, I'll still love you if you do that, but like, it's okay to be a rager. It's, it's more than okay. It's, your nervous system kind of shutting down and saying, Hey, 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 there's like a serious, serious unmet need and we need to stop and take a look under the hood. And how do we decrease those, let's say episodes from happening? It's consistent self-care and taking care of your brain and your body. And it's consistent regulation of learning how to have that consistent regulation and then supporting again, going down right into helping our children learn that as well. Yeah. Yep. Well, I hope that everyone enjoyed this and thank you, Maria, for doing this with me and having this conversation because we see this common theme show up so much with our clients that we felt that it was so crucial to talk about and helping every single one of you who are listening. So Until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.